So here we are in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start with uh, um, uh, verse 1. Um, I, I, I guess I do want to remind us a little bit as we prepare to... Um, in, in chapter 3, two weeks ago, um, Paul laid this out for us. And if you missed that um, sermon, you guys do know that we do have our sermons. You can, you can get the podcast, um, and you can go to our website, ChristCenter.com, um, uh, and you can listen to the sermons. We also film them, so you can see them if you so desire. Um, but at any rate, if you missed this one, I want to ask you to listen to it, um, because it really is such a rich picture of the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing. And so Paul had just spoken about this in chapter 3, and he had just told us about the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations and is now disclosed to the saints, Christ in us, the hope of glory. He showed us the mystery that we are one family in Christ. Isn't that amazing? That, That the whole way that God chose to defeat the works of the enemy who came to try to steal and kill and destroy, to divide and to pull the people of God away from God, who tempted creation to turn away from God and to misunderstand his character and to essentially believe that in order to get the good things that are available, we have to do it independently of God rather than dependent on God, that we have to do it our own way and in our own time. And that was represented in that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what God decided to do is that he decided in that moment that he would not only rescue us back from the enemy should we choose to be rescued, but that he would also, in that rescue, adopt us into a family, adopt us into one family, and that we, choosing God based on the merit of his character and his goodness, without coercion, without manipulation, without bribery, but based on the nature of his character and what he has done, he sent Christ who died for us, having lived the life we should have lived, died the death that we deserve to die, and then gave us the life that he lives and gave us the reward that he deserves. And if we choose it by simply believing that God is that good and beginning to follow him, we actually become inheritors of the same things that Christ inherits. And we become one family. We're adopted into one family. And last chapter, Paul laid that out and said, listen, this is the main thing. This is everything. That you are now in Christ one body. The head is Christ and you are all the body. And you are no longer disqualified in any way, whether you're male, whether you're female, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whatever you are, wherever you came from, God, if you choose him, will adopt you into the family and you are now a new creation in Christ. And in fact, in doing this, this is how God has chosen to destroy the works of the devil and to actually show the enemy that these people have chosen me. I did not coerce them. I did not bribe them. I did not manipulate them. I did not threaten them. I simply laid out reality and then through my own life showed I am as good as I actually am, regardless of your accusations. And then as we are together choosing him and choosing one another, this actually destroys the works of the enemy. And in that day, in that final day, Christ will come and complete the good work And then we'll all be together, all the generations, all those that have chosen Christ. So it's an extraordinary thing. So last chapter, Paul just said, I want you to get this, that the the whole thing that has been a mystery is this, you are one new person in Christ, together. So when we come together, 
It's us being together, living together, loving together, choosing to stay together. This is actually the kingdom of heaven on earth. Now, is it all of the kingdom of heaven? No, because there's the kingdom of heaven with the king, and there's the kingdom of heaven on earth, and it's all growing and coming together. But the front door to the kingdom of heaven is sitting right here in this room and all over. Everyone who calls on Christ. Can you see that? And so Paul's laid that out and he's saying, this is everything, guys. This is everything. So now here in chapter four, verse one, he says, therefore, therefore, so that was all the preamble from chapter three. Therefore, since all that's true, since you understand you're a new creation in Christ, you're destroying the works of the enemy, you're showing the excellency of God, you're actually in and you're, you're totally called. And he says, therefore, I a prisoner for the Lord. And you guys, I explained that last week. Why is he a prisoner? Because he was so committed to this message. That he refused to compromise and say, well, you know what, actually, it's just for the Jews. The Gentiles can't really get in. It's just for a special chosen people now that it wasn't for everybody. And they're like, no, hold on. It's just for us. And they threw him in prison because they were mad at him because he was saying, no, everybody's welcome now through Christ. And he's literally in prison because of that, which we explained. So that's why he's saying, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. Now he says, okay, so since all that's true, now I as a prisoner, willing to pay a price because that's how true this is, I urge you then to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. What's that calling? Well, first of all, here's the good news. You have been called. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've been called. All right, you are, that's good. You have, you have been called. And he's saying, so therefore, since this is true, since everything that God has said is actually predicated on us loving one another and staying in relationship and walking with one another, let me just prove that to you, right? What's that scripture? It says that they will see, the world will see your love for one another. They will see your love for one another and they will, this is Jesus speaking, they will believe that my father sent me based on whether or not you decide to love each other or not. And, and let, me, let me just give you a hint, by the way. Um, it has to actually look like something. It has to actually look like something. They're like, dude, I've just seen the way that you guys worked through an offense, and that is mind-blowing. I think Jesus is certainly among you. I just saw the way that you forgave and worked through this, and it makes me think there is actually a God. It has to actually look like something. It's not just like, what's up, bro? Love you, bro. What's up, dude? What's up? I liked you. I liked you on the worldwide interweb, dude. I liked what you were, I'm following you. Yeah. No, that's nothing. That means nothing. I mean, honestly, it does. It's like, how much does this mean? Click. Right? What is that? What is that? What is that? That's what the world does. No, no, it's got to be something more than that. No, it's that we actually, you know, oftentimes when we're hanging out with somebody and you're having like those honeymoon moments, you know, when you're first in a relationship and everything's cool, it's like, dude, you're so cool. You're so interesting. We have so many things in, in common. It's awesome. This is really cool. Like, let's hang out. And so you're hanging out. You're like, dude, I love that person. Like everything, it's like, it's like Nacho Libre, right? Like everything you love is my favorite thing too, <laughs> right? It's like, you don't actually love them. You just like all the stuff that aligns with what you already like. So you're just really in love with yourself and how much they also like what you like. And so anyway, what I have said this to people. I've said like, man, I really love you. Like, this is super great. And one of these days, I'm going to hurt you. And they're like, whoa, dude, take it easy. And I say, not on purpose. Well, maybe on purpose. I don't know. But most likely not on purpose. And when that happens, and I hope it won't be on purpose, but when, not if, but when it happens that I will offend you or hurt your feelings or drop the ball or whatever, when that happens... 
We will work through it. And if you stick around, then we'll have something. How many of you I actually said that to? A couple of you, I know, right? Yeah, come on. Yeah, love me some fajardos. Yeah, come on, Stephen. And you're here, baby. We got something. We got something. Why? Because it's easy to love somebody when, when everything's all peachy keen and wonderful. The world already does that. Jesus said that, right? What good is it if you just love the people that love you and do good to the people that do good to you? Everybody already does that. That's not even, it's not even love. That's just self-interest. Somebody say, ouch. <laughs> but we're called to something new. He says, therefore, walk in a, in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Walk in a manner that's worthy of this one new person in Christ that Jesus Christ himself literally laid his life down to make possible. In other words, this thing is expensive, and I want you to walk in a way that is lavishly expensive, and I want you to do it with your life for those of whose body, Christ, you've been called together. Say together. together. All right, so that's the key. All of this, like if you were to like look at Ephesians, you should just call it like the together book. It's just, it's all about being together, all right? Worthy that you've been called. So, he says, okay? So, the, uh, worthy of the calling to which you've been called, going to the next part here, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Eager to maintain, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. This is interesting, isn't it? In the bond of peace. What does that look like? Like, what does it mean to be eager? So let me, I would say it like this, right? Um, I think this works really well like for relationships. I think almost everybody in here has probably dated someone, but maybe if you weren't dating, maybe it's just like a really good friend that, that you're hanging out with. And you know, when you're hanging out with somebody and you really do love them, you're actually eager to like keep our connection in good shape. You're eager to maintain unity with each other. You're not like looking for a reason to be like, you're stupid and you have a stupid face and I don't want to look at it anymore. No, you're like, I love you and I want our connection to be okay. So if there's something that's going on, I'm actually eager to figure out how we can get back to peace and unity with each other. And he's saying, because you've been called to be one body, I want you to be eager to be one body. I want you to be eager to, and he, and he predicates it here, look at that, with humility and gentleness and patience. Well, why would you need all that stuff if we already love each other? Well, how many of you have known anybody for like 12 minutes? So you know why we need humility and gentleness and patience to bear with one another in love. So he's saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven actually looks like. Like, do you wanna know what the supernatural, amazing glory of God on earth looks like? It's a people that bear with one another in love, in humility, and kindness, and gentleness for more than 12 minutes. It's a people that, that, that literally do life together for their whole life. That's a sign and a wonder. Right? How many of you are just like unfollowing me right now? Yeah, you're just like, unfollow. Unfollow! Right? We, we follow and unfollow people in life. And, 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 and the truth is that that's what the world does. Oh, that's not good for you. Like that person, no, you need to have some me time. Like you need to be thinking about yourself right now. 
That's not, what, that's not the only part the kingdom addresses. The kingdom addresses, yes, we do think of ourselves, but we also are called to bear one another's burdens. So Paul is calling us to an extraordinarily high standard because of the extraordinary call that we have. Do you, do you, can you get that? So, so what does it look like? Like, I mean, we can say like, okay, so let's love one another. I wanna share a story with you. Karen and I, when we were on our fifth anniversary, uh, we went to a restaurant, I don't recall the restaurant, but we ran into some, ch- some friends from Karen's childhood. They were friends of her parents, so she had known them all her years growing up, and we ran into them. And, um, and, uh, and, and we're like, wow, that's amazing. What's, what's going on, guys? And they're like, well, we're here on our 35th anniversary. And we're like, ooh. And, you know, because when you've only been married for like five years, 35 seems like a really long time. We've been married 24 years, right? It is 23, okay. So last, I, I'm, I, it just feels like such a good thing. Anyway, so, um, so, so we run into and we said, listen, if there was one thing that you could tell us that, would, that, would, that you feel like would be the most important thing we could know to make sure that we are on a date on our 35th anniversary and we're looking at each other and loving each other the way you guys are clearly looking at each other, what would you tell us? And, they, and, they, and they, they, they stopped and they just thought about it, which I think is amazing, by the way, like to just stop and think before you speak. That's a good word. That's a good word. I didn't learn anything from that part for years more. But then, then they said this. They, they said this. They said, you know what? Just remember in whatever you do to be kind to each other. And they said, uh, oftentimes people will tell you like you need to make sure and love each other, but that, that's not very specific. You can say, I love you, or oh, I love them so much, right? But you also say things like, I love pizza, or I love naps, right? So that's not, it's too general. It's too non-specific, but it's very specific, actually. Like, kindness really looks like something, you know? It's like, so when you're really frustrated with each other, I've never been frustrated with Karen, but when she's frustrated with me, that she can think this, I'm just kidding, let me go first person. I lost all of you right then. You're like, shut up. Anyway, but when I'm frustrated, that I think to myself, yes, I'm angry. Like, I have a reason to be angry right now, but how can I be kind while we address this thing that's making me angry? What does that look like? How do I do that right now? How do I address this thing like, man, I'm really angry, but there's no reason for me to not be kind to Karen while we work through this thing. And it's really shaped our marriage. We, we really took that to heart. How do I be kind? How do I operate in kindness in this scenario, in this tone, in this moment? Isn't that, you, can you see that? And so that's like Paul is saying to us, he's saying, listen, therefore, walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. What's that sound like? That sounds like kindness. That sounds like kindness. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Let's continue on. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. He's basically laying this out and going, listen, you're called to a really high call and just so you know, there's just one. There's just one call. You're called to one body. So you're either part of this body and there's no other option. (laughs) 
That's what he's saying. We are called to one body and one spirit. Therefore, that call to the unity of the faith, one, the unity of the spirit and faith, that's our one move, guys. God actually put every single, he put all of his eggs in that basket that those that choose me, I'm gonna give them my spirit. And as they choose to continue to maintain the unity of the faith and walk in humility and kindness and love and gentleness and bear each other's burdens and walk with one another, bear one another in love, as they do that, my one answer to the problem of evil is that as these guys do this, I am going to glorify myself through their life. Not individually, together. And he goes, and just so you know, there's no other options because there's only one body, one spirit, one baptism. Do you see that? Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. You might not even believe it, but it is true. You, you, it's just true. See, we are all part of each other. We actually cannot go on without each other. Just turn to your neighbor and go, yikes. There's an African proverb. There's an African proverb. You're probably familiar with it. And it says this. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I think there's a lot of fast people that got eaten by hyenas in Africa. I think there's a lot of fast spiritual people that got eaten by the enemy all over the world. Let me say it like this. The banana that leaves the bunch gets eaten. <laughs> you see, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Let me ask you a question. How far is eternity? I think we better travel together. How far is eternity? We're going far, guys. God is, we might be in a hurry, but that says more about our emotional maturity than it does about what God's building. Because he's building something that lasts forever. How many of you have ever tried to outrun your left foot? That sounds fun. A lot of us, when it comes to our spirituality, are living this life as though we could outrun our left foot. You are a part of this body. I need you. Your neighbor needs you. You need me, and you need your neighbor. You, you, we're going together, guys. And everything that we're doing together is the purpose that God has for us on this earth, and that we do it together. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, I actually do need you. Now, we've been called to be one. We've been called to be one. We are one body, all right? But last week or two weeks ago when I told you that I saw a big toe hopping down the road, you guys remember that? I said I saw a big toe and it was just hopping down the road. Some of you thought I said toad. No, no, a toe. It's like an actual toe and you did not believe me. Why did you not believe me that there was a big toe hopping down the road? Because every single person here knows that when a toe gets disconnected from a human body, it dies. Right? And yet so many of us 
have been willing to believe the same lie of the enemy that he gave to Adam and Eve in the garden, which is you need to operate independently of God. And we've tried to separate from the body and then run our race. And it left the body in pain and we began to die spiritually right away because we were cut off from the body. And you have no purpose outside of being a part of the body. You don't function without the body. And we're in pain when you're not here. We don't function fully without you. Can you receive that? Now, here's the good news. We're not all toes. But praise God, we have toes, right? But we're not all toes. For grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led, host, led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He's so generous. He gave us gifts. Not only did he call us into the body, not only did he ransom us from sin and death, not only did he give us eternal life, not only did he give us a purpose, but he also gave us gifts. And in fact, you are a gift. You are each carrying and are a unique absolutely essential part of this body. Without you, we are not whole. Now, what are those gifts? Now, he goes on to say, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he'd also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who has descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And there he's referencing the prophetic word out of Psalms that says, who has ascended into the hill of the Lord? And it's Jesus. So he's saying Jesus won a complete victory and he brought gifts. And he gave us gifts. Now here's what's so cool about these gifts. We are all carrying different gifts and we are gifts to the overall body. Some of you have gifts of administration. Some of you have gifts of helping. Some of you have gifts of healing. Some of you have gifts of miracles. Some of you have gifts of faith. Some of you have gifts of prophecy. There's all kinds of giftings. Encouragement. There's myriad. Like I'm not gonna list anymore. Each of you are carrying myriad gifts. And you know what? You are unique in your gifting. And the body needs you in order to be complete and to be whole and to be blessed. And when I go to you for your gift, like for instance, um, uh, Red Crab has an extraordinary gift of faith. When Red came to faith, uh, what did you say you came to faith like 39 years ago? 39 years ago this month. That's just the praise of the Lord right there. Aren't you guys glad that Red got saved? Come on. When Red came to faith, one of the things that God did almost immediately, well, one, he went and led all his brothers to the Lord, which was pretty extraordinary. And God immediately started working. He started reading the scriptures and he starts seeing all this stuff about healing. So he's like, man, we need to go after that. So he and his brothers would make a list and they put it in their barn and they would put a list of things that need to be done and they would just march around the barn praying in the spirit and praying in English for those things on the list until they could cross them off the list. Isn't that cool? I know, right? We should get a barn and a list. Anyway, here's the thing. Here's the thing. One of the things that, one of the things God did in the, in early on was there was a young man and he was, he was uh, diagnosed with terminal bone cancer. And he was 10 years old. And so they just went after, they put his name on that list and they just went after it. And you know what? Verified medical miracle, God healed that young man. He's alive to this day. Isn't that cool? That's a, isn't that a faith builder? So when, I, when my faith is like, oh God, this is a rough day, and I need, like, when I'm wavering, I go talk with Red. Now here's the thing. 
I have been working on my faith. I, God's been building my faith. I continue to invest. I, I haven't seen bone cancer healed yet, but I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep going after that. But here's the point, is that when I go to Red, he compels me and pulls me towards building up faith. He doesn't lead me towards uh, hopelessness. He leads me towards faith. And that, that is a big part of the gift that Red carries. Now, I don't go to Red to have him teach me his ways so that I can then no longer need red. I go to red because he builds me up in some of the giftings that he carries and he encourages me in it, but I consistently need him. Do you understand? So we need each other, not like a one and done kind of way, but in an ongoing way. There are administrative people in my life that I go to all the time, and no matter how much I go to them, I still have not become, become an administrative. I will always need them. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? And we have, and that's just two giftings. That's just administration and, and faith, right? Think of all the different giftings that we need. Think of all the different influences, all of the different beautiful graces that are in this room right now. And you have access to that strength. But you can only access that strength to the degree that we bear with one another in love. Isn't that cool? And we're called to do that. We're actually called to live that out. We're called to come and say, hey, I see that this is a really beautiful part of what you bring to the body. Would you talk to me? Would you talk to me about this? Some of you have an extraordinary gift from the Lord. Like you have a, you have a truly have a, you have a gift for like, there are some people that I talk to in regard to business and generosity. And I'm not gonna tell you their names, but you can find them, they're in the room. But when I need to know how to move forward in some of the things that I'm doing and get insight, like wisdom and experience, as well as an anointing that's from the Lord, I talk with them. I say, would you speak to me about this? Like, here's what I'm thinking, but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what to do here. And you know what? Those guys speak into my life, and I'm super blessed because of it. And they tell me things I would have never thought of. I need them. Can you receive this? So I've only listed three gifts. Think of all the gifts. And we're called, actually, to walk out this life together. Isn't that beautiful? So here's these graces that are given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's a big gift. So let's continue. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. Okay? So, so that's what we're doing here. All right? Those are five of the, of the equipping gifts that are given. Now, now notice how he breaks this down. To do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay? What's the work of the ministry? To build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We are all engaged in the ministry of Jesus Christ. We are all engaged in building up one another in the faith so that we attain unity and the knowledge of the Son of God. Isn't that extraordinary? He goes on. As we're doing this, so the work of the ministry also, guys, by the way, includes us maturing into manhood. 
Maturing into manhood. By the way, this is not gender specific. This means adulthood. Um, this, this language is mankind, meaning humankind. So in maturing into full-grown adults, all right, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children. So we together as the body, doing the ministry together, causes us to together mature into Christ. Can you receive that? You see, the process that we're in and what we're doing right now all happen at the same time. As we are being the body of Christ, it actually causes us to need to mature, to no longer be children. What, what are children like? Well, one, the, one thing, they're delightful and they're awesome and they're wonderful and they're cute and they're just all that, like full of energy, just fantastic. But as we are all, everyone in this room has found, you come to a certain point where all of a sudden you start to realize that you're not the center of the universe. Is anybody here realizing that? I know, it's such a bummer, isn't it? Because you started out and you were like conceived in a giant flash of light in your mother's womb and that was fine, very cool, made your, made your, your, your um, debut. And then you grow in this warm, lovely little womb and good, great, food comes right in, everything's cool, I'm down with this. And then you're born and then everybody's like, you're a miracle, you're so gorgeous, you're so beautiful, you're so wonderful, la la la. And if you're not gorgeous, then they're like, oh, look, so much character and you're wonderful. Either way, you're... <laughs> You're, everyone loves you, and if you, if you need anything, you're like, eh, and they give you food, or eh, and they change your diaper, or, eh, and they make you warm, and then you continue to grow, and you just basically just grow more in your demands, because now you can form words, so you have an even higher <laughs> list of things that people fetch for you, and then suddenly, it starts to shift, and it's no longer just about you, and you have to start maturing, and you start realizing that with those rights that you have, you also have responsibilities, that you're actually here to be able to help provide for others and bring the gift that you are, but to share it with others and to give and receive and to move, and you, you come to that realization you're not the center of the universe, but you are a very important part of it. Amen? But, but this is saying that as we mature, we stop acting like children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. You know, here's the thing. M many times when we get deceived um, in, in, in this life, many times, it usually aligns with the desire that we already have. You know, it's sort of like eight-minute abs, right? It's like, I have a desire to have some sweet abs, and you're telling me I could have them in eight minutes. That's way better than my experience so far. So I would like to believe in eight-minute abs. I would like to believe that I can eat whatever I want and still have eight-minute abs. I mean, eight-minute Salisbury steak followed by eight-minute abs. That sounds great, right? I would like to believe that there's three easy steps to absolute success in all relationships. That sounds perfect. Sign me up, right? So we... We give in to winds of doctrines that are brought about by human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. We give in to those things where essentially like the, the, the God of this age and the, and, the, and the sneakiness of this age comes and basically says like, it really is actually all about you. And like, however you want to see reality, that is your right to define your own reality. And we're like, that sounds really, really good. Sounds amazing. So you're saying that I can have what I want and I can get it in any way that I choose? And people, in so many words, are like, yes. You're like, I believe that. Why? Because you want to believe that. Why? Because you're acting like a child. 
And Paul is saying, actually, as you continue to bear one another's, in, uh, as you continue to bear with one another in love, you, we actually grow together into maturity by taking up our cross, by following one with another, by doing the hard stuff, by being kind one with another. Let me wrap up with this. He says, so rather than, rather than that, rather than being an easy mark, rather than following your desires only, rather than looking for people that will tickle your ears with things that you already want to hear, rather than being childish and easily deceived, rather than that, speak the truth in love. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Just turn to your neighbor and with a smile to say, I need you to grow up. <laughs> kind of feels good, doesn't it? Spouses are like, I don't know if you heard me. <laughs> Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. And it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, we're called to this worthy calling of building each other up in love by speaking the truth in love. Now, you'll notice I didn't say loving to speak the truth. Some of you love to speak the truth. It's very different. It's the other side of the road of speaking the truth in love. Now, I would dare say most of us are somewhere probably in between. There's loving to speak the truth. Uh, you know what you're doing is actually not in, it's legal in the Bible, so I just wanted to point that out to you, so maybe you better repent because, well, basically, you'll probably go to hell. <laughs> yeah, okay. You enjoy remembering the rules, you know? Oh, you know what? Actually, I see what you're doing, and actually, that's like, you're just actually not very supernatural, so basically, I'm seeking the deeper things, so you probably need to, like, maybe get with the Holy Spirit, so you're welcome. <laughs> oh, I'm actually discerning that you guys are all really immature, and you're not seeking the deeper things of the Lord. You're welcome. Okay, that's, that's not <laughs> speaking the truth in love. That's not, you, you see the difference, right? But when I come to you, I heard it said this way. If when you speak the truth in love to someone, there's not some level of pain that it causes you, you're probably not speaking the truth in love. Right? How many of you guys love following through with your kids, right? It's so hard, isn't it? You're just like, I love you so much and I just really want to reward you. But you are not doing something I can reward right now. And you're like, oh, maybe we can just let this one pass but you know you can't. You know you have to engage it. Bring some pain to you. Bring some pain to you. Because why? Because you're speaking it in love. You're not just loving to speaking. I think you guys got the point. God has chosen... He's chosen to put everything everything into our hands to love him with all of our heart, strength, and mind and to love each other as much as Christ loves us. And he has put his reputation and the validity of the gospel of the kingdom in our hands, in our area, in our region with everyone that sees us based on whether or not we're actually going to continue to choose to do that. So, be kind to one another. But here's the thing, coming back to Karen and I's marriage, 
One of the reasons why we speak the truth in love to each other is because we want to be married to each other. And so I will confront Karen, and you guys don't understand. Like, I know I look strong and confident and handsome and humble (laughs) up here, but Karen is terrifying. And so I don't like, I don't like to confront Karen and tell her, I mean, obviously it's never on purpose, but that something that she's doing is not actually correct. You see how scared I am right now? And so, so sometimes if I didn't love her as much as I loved her and I just loved me, I wouldn't bring it up but I love her so much that I choose to be kind, but I, choose, I do choose to bring it up to say, you know, I don't actually think you just, I'm going to use, I'm just going to be, uh, I'll just use an example, like maybe with our kid. Like, I don't think you actually heard what our daughter said. And, and, and I know that she loves our daughter as much as I do and isn't making a mistake because she wants to. We just all make mistakes. But I love her enough to go, I want to guard her connection. So I'm going to risk this. And how many of you guys like to be corrected? Raise your hand if you like to be corrected. Good for you. That's fantastic. Two of you raised your hands. They'll be, pray- they'll be available. They'll pray for you and lay hands on you that God will impart that gift. Most of us don't. And that's okay. But how many of you love to receive the correction that you need? Right? Nobody loves to be corrected, but we do appreciate the result. And we have, we're actually called to love each other enough to be kind and bring healthy confrontation and then continue to walk forward. Now, we've all experienced people who love to tell the truth. May we be a people who tell the truth in love and continue to move forward because the result of that is if we're eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and bear with one another in love. And by the way, these hard conversations don't have to happen very often, but they do have to happen. Like people need to be able to come to you and say, I super love you and I'm honestly worried because I only see you come and worship every six weeks. And I don't understand what you're valuing more than us being together. God actually gave his life that we could be one And I feel like your practical application of that isn't in line with how valuable this is. And I miss you. And when you're not there, there's a poverty. Does that make sense? But guys, that's a a scary thing to do. Like you get scared. Like I don't want to feel like I'm guilting them. Well, you're not. do Do you love the people in your life enough to use kindness and tell the truth in love? Do you love the people in your life enough to let them use kindness and tell you truth and love? To say those kinds of things. What about when you misunderstand each other? You know, or somebody brings you a a hard prophetic word that just like, they just whiffed it. (laughs) It just felt more like a criticism than a word from the Lord. Are you able to go to them and say, listen, I, I, I know your heart's in the right place, I think, but I'll just tell you about my end. That felt super critical. It wasn't encouraging at all. 
Can you tell me again what you were trying to communicate to me? Let's just start there. Maybe I misunderstood you, right? I'm looking for kindness. I'm looking to tell the truth in love. I'm saying I'm extending the benefit of the doubt. Telling the truth in love so often, bearing with one another in love, eagerly, eagerly desiring unity in the faith is to extend the benefit of the doubt. I know you love me. That hit me super weird, but let me just check. First of all, here's what I feel like you said. What is it that you said? And if, and if my demeanor is this, like, I know you love me and I know I love you. This hit me weird. Here's, what I, here's the message I received. Is that the one you sent? Well, already somebody's going to feel like safe and good of like, oh, you're eagerly seeking to, our connection to stay strong. Put some at ease. It's kindness. But if I don't love you, I'm just going to be ambivalent. You know, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is ambivalence. It's like, live or die, I don't care. Come or go, I don't care. I, un- I unfollowed you a while ago anyway. Right? What do I care? Go, go play hide and seek tag in traffic. What's that to me? All right? That's the opposite of love. And we're actually living out love. Can you guys receive this? I want to finish with this statement. One of the things that's so profound and beautiful about us working properly and letting the body build itself up in love, what's so profound about what God has asked us to do in continuing to live out this life together in love is the longevity of it, the reality of it the space to grow, the space to learn, the space to allow one another to grow in Christ. Like we speak the truth in love, but we're also extending kindness, so we also are like prayerfully seeking which, fight, which battles we're gonna pick, amen? Like we have time to do this because we're actually, no one's going anywhere. Are you with me? So we're with one another. And here's something that's incredible about this as we're with each other. We join each other in one another's sufferings. You see, in this life, we don't skip the trouble and the suffering in this world. What we do is we bear one another's burdens and we go through this life together. This is the glory of God on earth. This is the glory of God on earth. This is what it looks like to be the body, is that we actually go through the sufferings of this life with each other. We stand with someone when they're not getting their miracle. We walk alongside somebody while they're changing, and I'm going to say this word and it's going to make you mad, you bunch of charismatics, when they're changing slowly. Yeah, when we don't, like when we're like, oh man, I just see there's a spirit of brokenness on you right now. Shaba! Are you better now? Okay, you're you're still being annoying. Shaba! Okay, seriously though, like have faith this time. No, we go, you know what? Maybe this one's going to be a process and I'm still not going anywhere. I mean, Josiah's the best. That's why I picked him. He's already perfect. (laughs) Are you guys with me? You see, the glory of God has shown that we actually bear with one another while we're growing. That's the profound supernatural part of this. You know, it's amazing. Jesus... He, uh, he worked some profound miracles when he was here. And we go after miracles. I mean, I just shared about bone marrow cancer being healed, right? That's incredible. 
It's incredible. And we do see miracles. And I think sometimes we sort of assume like if we would see more miracles, more people would grow in Christ, right? Be like, man, if we could just demonstrate more supernatural miracles, then wouldn't more people get saved and come to the Lord? And that may be. But here's something that's interesting. Jesus did a ton of miracles. And then the people came and killed him. And all of his disciples left him. So if you're waiting around for miracles to be the thing that shows the glory of God on earth as the primary thing, like if we can just get more supernatural in these miraculous things, that's what's going to shift it all. It didn't work for Jesus. What worked for Jesus was that we were born again and Christ was formed in us and we were transformed by the renewing of our minds over time together. And it's still the same today. And Jesus has chosen that we would share in his suffering and his glory together and the world would know the Father sent him. And that's what we're doing. And that is what Paul's talking about. Can you receive that?